Welcome back, you guys. Welcome back to Baby Got Sex. It's gonna be a trip. <sighs> this one's gonna be, gonna be long. This one's gonna. It's gonna be a long one. <laughs> because <Yes>. this week <clears throat> we have another true crime book from Anne Rule, The Stranger Beside Me. Oh, mine says the shattering true crime classic. Oh, mine says the shocking inside story of serial killer Ted Bundy. Oh, oh yeah, mine, mine says, says the shattering. Under. Oh, no, I mine yeah. says the shattering true crime classic under that. Yeah. yeah, she was his friend and co-worker. She thought she knew him well, but she didn't know the monster within. I definitely found out new things. So you and I mm-hmm. have watched the docuseries, the confession tapes. Yes. And we've also seen the one with Zac Efron. Yes, the movie. But I didn't really care. I, I don't know. I don't really care for those, okay. like, retelling movies. I like yeah. when it's true crime. I like it to be, like, the people that were there tell the story. Yeah, I don't care for reenactments, per se. Yeah. And so I definitely found, I mean, I had no idea how close she was to him, nor how often his name came up while they were happening. Like, During I just the, yeah. believe how close things were also there are there are some trigger warnings in this book um mm-hmm. she goes into a heck of a lot of details about yeah. the crimes that were committed um uh, so like abuse rape um strangulation things like that um yeah this is in case you didn't know the story of how and rule new ted bundy Yes, when they worked so. in a crisis center in Seattle. So we are about four to five hours away from Seattle. So a lot mm-hmm. of these places, like, I kind of knew. Um, and also one of the victims was from Oregon State. So he was around here. Um, yeah, he, he traveled that. between Oregon and Washington. So yeah. And reading reading that one. Um, I mean, we'll we'll get into it. Obviously, we'll talk about Ted Bundy, but I also like we are going to talk about the victims too because those are the the bigger the bigger picture, the, yeah, than anything yeah. else. Um, and and reading the Oregon State one, going from Sackett Hall to Union, I know that yeah, we walked we the campus very well. Yeah, so it's wild to read. I guess I could read the back of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and give that little snippet. Um, when Anne Rule and Ted Bundy developed a friendship at a Seattle crisis clinic in 1971, she had no idea that her caring, sensitive coworker would go on to become one of America's most notorious serial killers. In The Stranger Beside Me, Rule's first number one bestseller, she dives into not only her personal relationship with Bundy, but his life, covering everything from his complicated childhood to the media circus revolving around his trials. Bundy eventually confessed to killing at least 36 women across the country and was sentenced to death. Rule draws from correspondence to create an intense, heart-pounding account of the brilliant and charismatic Bundy. An unforgettable and haunting work of research, journalism, and personal memories, The Stranger Beside Me completely changed the course of true crime literature. With its unique and astonishing intimacy, this bone-chilling classic defies the expectation that we would know if a monster walked among us. Now, I was getting pretty mad at Anne reading this of how she still talked to him. At, like she's like, yeah, he, just, he couldn't have done it after he had already was like in been jail. Charged. 
Yeah. She's like, and I'm sending him money. I'm like, why? I know. But it kind of goes to show how charming and manipulative of a man he was. Yeah. And and one of the pictures in here that I really liked was, like, the many faces of Ted Bundy. Mm Mm-hmm. Of him with, like, different lengths of hair and beards. And he truly does look different with each style. And it's wild. One of my favorite things about Anne Rule's books. So we've done Anne Rule in the past. We've done the I-5 Killer. Mm -hmm. Another fantastic book of hers. Um, She, which is what I love about her writing. She'll put pictures of the people involved sometimes Mm -hmm. of the crime scenes of the killer um things that pertain to the novel i mean she'll put in Mm -hmm. sheriff's department photos yeah um she put a photo of a letter she got from him and yeah she puts like all of the pictures of him police surveillance shots um houses where it happened she really like i really like that that part of the book it, it really, really adds another layer to what you're reading because then you can put faces to names yeah and really exactly. yeah I really, and I this really one's like. one of her slightly different novels in house written because she personally knew who she was talking about so if this is the only annual book you read her others are a little different because it's just coming from an outside perspective so she's not mm-hmm. involved herself, but her writing is still fantastic. This is one of her earlier books. I, this is probably before the I Five Killer, but yeah, I mean, she was. Her writing stays pretty consistent in an um, investigative reporter type of way that's fairly unbiased. Again, this one's a little different because she was involved, but. It, it's detailed without being that overwhelming. Yeah, this is a thick book. It, I will tell you that. Book. It's 550 pages. And also, this book has been redone a lot of times. So, mm-hmm. originally it was in 1980 and then 89. And then the 20th anniversary afterward was written in 2000. And then the final chapter was in 2009. Yeah, they were consistently... Mm-hmm updated with whatever the new findings or what other updates that came out from this case or I guess cases Mm -hmm. Um, which is really nice because sometimes since if they're written early on you don't know if they were actually sentenced or you know what actually happened if all the victims were found or whatnot and so getting these updates as they kind of happen the best the book publishing can. Yes. It's helpful. And I have, once we get to the end, I do have um, on, a, on a website, I've got all the victims' names as well as, like, if they were found, where they were found, mm-hmm. and all that, all updated. So, um, actually, to this day, some of the victims have <clears throat> not been found. Yeah. Or there's... Um, Pinned to him, he, right? Yeah, and some of them, they had no idea... And we'll get into it, but some of them yeah. they had no idea that he even was involved or that these people like were were from him. Like yeah. that they were killed because of him. Like they had no killed. idea. Yeah. They didn't even like put two and two together and then at the very end he like confessed to it. But yeah. some of them they still can't 
find. The amount of tabs that I have on this book is ungodly because I normally write the timeline. There's so I did not have time to write the timeline. Fall off. So I was tabbing yeah, I like no one's business. I thought about it, but I was like, I feel like I would, it'd be like one of those textbooks you just highlight the whole page anyway. Yeah. I was like, I, maybe I'll just leave it alone. I have you're very good four, at this. I have four different colored tabs because I kept running out. I also was using old tabs, so they weren't like brand new tabs. Oh, so they weren't like so they were old. I was trying to use them up. Yeah. Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. um I still haven't used the ones that you've gifted me last Christmas. They're just so mm. pretty. I just can't uh but uh <laughs> yeah, they my cat was trying to eat the tabs. I actually have book bite marks mm-hmm. in some of the tabs from my cat. It's a whole thing. But yeah, I guess I guess we can get started. I, like I said, well, let's start book wise. I gave it a five. Five. I, I gave it a five. Yeah. Should we get into <laughs> we get into my rowdy one-star reviews? Oh, yes. Um, we have finally named <laughs> Ashley's one-star review as her rowdy one-star reviews. So. I thought it was a fun little thing. And, uh, rowdy reviews. Yeah, I was watching Toy Story, and then it was Woody's Roundup, and I was like, oh, things are going to get rowdy. And then... Uh, I, I love like, oh. that thought just as much. As <laughs> I was like, oh... Rowdy one star reviews. That's catchy. I like it. it. Okay. So on Goodreads, this book is out of 4.13 stars with 94,389 ratings. Um, yeah, we both give it five. It's I I mean, I love her writing so very much anyway. Yeah. She's got a ton of books too. Yeah. Um so, someone rated it one star. Girl, stop sending Ted Bundy ten dollars. <laughs> not not wrong. <laughs> Um, this book is not about Ted Bundy, his crimes, or his victims. This is about Anne Rule and what a totally amazing woman she is for sticking with Ted. I, eh. I mean, that's what she did with him. So, yeah, someone feels it. that Anne just kind of glossed over the heinous crimes that he committed. Um. Can't tell if she's lying, wants attention, or is just crazy as Bundy himself. Oh. Yeah. Uh, God, this book sucked. Oh. Boring. Oh. I, don't, I don't think it'd be boring. No. It does. So, yeah. Someone said that Anne Rule came off as if she believed Ted was innocent and a wonderful pus- wonderful person. She, I mean, that's some, what she found the moment. Yeah. Sometimes I was reading it and I'm just like, why? Man, yeah. But also, you made a good point, is you can tell how, like, conniving and manipulative he really was in time. Yeah. I mean, women loved him, even as he was say, in jail. He, he got away so He literally long. married someone while he was on trial. <laughs> yeah. I and just... He used it to his advantage. He knew how yeah. to be charming and uh, come off as a good guy and that's what allowed him to be free for so long yeah also yeah some of these some of these people stopped because they just couldn't couldn't stomach it i mean yeah she really goes into a lot of detail especially the first victim that actually survived yeah i actually read that one out loud to my boyfriend he wasn't he was not a fan not a not appreciative not really. I would like, wow, say, wild. if you're 
reading this book just to learn about Ted Bundy and his victims. This may not be the source for that. This is to read about that and and Rule's experience with him. Because you yeah. can just watch a documentary and whatnot, but it's the fact that she's met him in person, saw what he was like to the public eye and how he was behaving. I mean, he worked at a crisis center, but yeah. still a serial killer. There was, I don't remember if I tabbed it or not, but there's a part in this book that really got to me because, and I that's kind of why I understood why Anne was doing what she was doing. Obviously, we all are reading this book and we're like, how can she be so stupid? Because now we know. But now we know. And a lot of times it's kind of the same thing of when you date like a really stupid guy and you're like, how how could I have been so stupid to like go along with everything? Yeah. Or why didn't I see that? Hindsight's because you're blind. You're blinded by certain things. You're blinded yeah. by love. You're blinded by friendship. I mean, you're you're blinded by things that obviously looking down the road, you're like, wow. That yeah, you don't expect that someone that you meet to be a serial killer. Yeah, exactly. And what stuck to me was there was a part in this book, like I said, I don't remember if I tabbed it or not, but she said what was hard for me to figure out that he actually could have done these crimes was because I got to watch him next to me in a cubicle saving people's lives over the phone. And so even though he was taking lives, I also got to see him saving countless lives as well, which, Mm -hmm. yeah, that would be hard. I mean, you're you're literally saving people from taking their own lives on the phone and how calm and collective and things like that. You just wouldn't be able to to think that the same guy could take these lives as well. And I I get that. As soon as she said that, I was like, that makes sense. Yeah, that'd be weird. That two completely different people, it sounds like. Plus this was the 80s. You, you know there wasn't such an awareness for danger and crimes you just well I think majority of it was in the 70s and then I think the 80s mm, was when he 80s. was in the trials mm. and then it took it him like, yeah. a long time to be executed because it kept getting yeah it did push yeah but like now we know to be like hyper aware and like women have to be a little extra careful and, and like check their surroundings but then that wasn't even a thought that they had to worry about they 15 year old hitchhiking yeah and it's yeah i mean like parents didn't have to worry about their kids going home or whatnot and so they i mean it truly wasn't a thing serial killers this is like he was one of the first to really got terrorized (laughs) yes yeah exactly so I guess we could so, start on my first tab. We're going to go through all of my tabs. Not all of them. It's going to be a long one. Okay, so we start. I, I tabbed a little bit because we obviously get, um, there's like a, a beginning part that kind of sums everything up. And then yeah. Anne, she answers questions about like Meg Anders, where are people now? Yeah. Um, all of this stuff. So Eleanor Louise Cowell is Ted Bundy's mom. She was 22 when she found out that she was pregnant with a man today, as we know, as the sailor. 
Um, we don't really ever know. And this is going to be like the starting of it all, yeah. of how they do this. So this was in 1946. And so premarital sex was like very big no-no. I mean, no, obviously no, no. everyone was having it, but like it was very hush-hush. Yeah. And so after she got pregnant and and she wasn't married, um, she was sent to Elizabeth Lund Home for Unwed Mothers in Burlington, Vermont, which I can't even imagine there being a place like I that. that. There's even a place for that, yeah. Because in today's society, I mean, there's so many, like, that's just a normal thing. Yeah. I feel like it's more taboo to get pregnant after being married at this point. Like, it's just. Yeah. <laughs> or it, even it's have just, kids it, at all. It, yeah. Yeah. It was that there was like a timeline. You got, you met a guy, you got married, you start having all the babies. And so if you did anything out of order or some one of those steps not at all it was wrong yeah yeah and so um she stayed 63 days at this um, home and theodore robert cowell was born on november 24th 1946 so after she took the baby back home her parents decided we are going to raise the kid as our own and as he grows up you are going to be the older sister and we are going to be the parents, which. Okay. It's like so to hide the fact that their daughter did something shameful. Yeah. So then she, fa- so then she marries, um, well, she goes, Louise Cowell, Ted's mom goes and moves to Tacoma, Washington um, to go and live with relatives. And. Then Ted's like, well, that's kind of strange that, like, it's just me and my older sister and not coming along. Okay. And um, there she joins a church and she meets Johnny Bundy. And on May 19th, 1951, Louise and Johnny marry. And so he they change his name to Theodore Robert Bundy after that. And then she has two girls and two boys with um, Bundy. And so he's got four half siblings now. And it, it all just started kind of getting weird to him how his family dynamic was. Yeah. And so that was, that was like a big turning point for him because he, he eventually goes and finds and finds his um, birth certificate. Because I also don't understand why Louise didn't just tell him when he got older. I feel like. <clears throat> well, like she could have still been ashamed or embarrassed by having a child so young and unwed. I guess. I don't know. And like, how right. do you tell a kid that after so long? I don't know. So he. um. He attends Woodrow Wilson High School in Tacoma and graduates from there in 65, in 1965. And then he goes on to go to, 
University of Washington, where he begins a program of intensive Chinese, which I thought was very random. It's very random, but I mean, okay. It really threw threw me off. The so this is kind of where it all starts. I mean, obviously he had problems like with his mom, but in the spring of '67 is where Ted meets uh, Stephanie Brooks, which is kind of where it all starts. Yeah. Um. So Stephanie is a woman that I don't know how old she is when they meet um but she is going to school there i believe as well she's a year or so older um and she's a daughter of a wealthy california family and so he always feels that like he doesn't fit in he won't belong with her family she's too good for him and he kind of chases her for a long time like years and they'll go on some dates but she's like, I don't really feel that way. And mm-hmm. so then he starts working for this six-year-old woman named Beatrice Sloan who works at a yacht club. And he yeah. starts stealing things in the yacht yeah. club. And she's like, oh, he's just he's just a boy. Beatrice, no. Yeah. Boys, don't do that. Um, And so... They kind of have this summer fling, Stephanie and Ted, originally. Like I said, this goes on mm-hmm. for years. Kind of, it almost gives me you vibes. He's really, like, stalking yeah. Stephanie. But um, she was going to go to, back to California to her family. He was staying at the University of Washington. She told him that the romance was over. And so he returns to Seattle and in April of 68 is when he starts getting really into politics. And so he is appointed Seattle chairman and assistant state chairman of the new ma- or new majority for Rockefeller. He goes to Miami for a convention. So wild. He's st- it's starting out to where like his life's pretty good. I, say, I mean, like making a life for himself. He's a young man doing big things. Yes. Yeah. And then he ruins it. Yeah. Yeah. So during the time of him, he just got done with Stephanie. Well, Stephanie got done with him. She's very done with him. And so he goes to the taverns that are around the university and uh, Sandpiper Tavern is where he meets a woman on September 26, 1969, whose name is Meg Anders. Uh, Meg was a few years older than Ted. She was a young divorcee with a three-year-old named Leanne, I I think, I think is how you pronounce like it. It's L-I-A-N-E. I think it's Leanne. Yeah, I think it's Leanne. L- Laney, I, I'm not entirely I sure. Um, so they kind of start like she starts falling in love with him she feels like she loves him more than him um he is working two part-time jobs um at the time he's selling shoes for a department store and he's working for a surgical supply store and meg is also helping him out even though she's a single mom she's giving Mm -hmm. him money too 
And he, September 26th is the day that they meet. So he always sends her a single rose on that date. And they kind of, he's, it's kind of weird because he's, he's with Meg, but then he's also with Stephanie. Like he wants to be with Stephanie and he, he'll go to California and he'll, he'll see her and she's, but they, they still don't like mingle together. Yeah. Yeah, she's still like, no, even though Meg's like, oh, I'm the only one. And I'm like, oh, this is not not yeah. going to end well, whatever, like whatsoever. Yeah. So then we start learning um, about the crisis clinic. So it's mm-hmm. in it's in an old Victorian mansion on Capitol Hill. Uh, this starts in 1971 is when he is first doing this. So. Anne Rule, who is is the author of the book, she works a four-hour shift once a week from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. And Ted worked from 9 p.m. to 9 a.m. several nights a week. So she was one of the volunteers, but he, I believe, was getting paid for for it. Um, And so there was 51 volunteers um, and a lot of them never met just because of like the weird hours, because this yeah. is obviously a 24 hour crisis center. And so it got to be where they were the only two together for quite a while. Um, yeah. And she honestly thinks the only thing that saved her was that she wasn't his type. She was a lot older than him. I believe she was in her 40s at the time that they met. Uh, she, yeah. was a single, she was a she was married during the beginning of this later divorces, but mm-hmm. she was um, a married woman of four kids. And so she just wasn't his type. And because he had mm-hmm. mom issues, she thinks that he kind of used her as like a mother role. Yeah. More than anything else. So then one night he just opens up. He's like, I'm what he says, like basically that he's a bastard child. And I'm like, Ted, why are we just, it's just, Coming out. Come, yeah. I'm like, okay. I mean, I I get at night probably weird things happen, but like delirious or something. Yeah. So he says, when I was born, my mother couldn't say that I was a baby or that I was her baby. When I was born in a home for unwed mothers, and when she took me home, she and my grandparents decided to tell everyone that I was her brother and that they were my parents. And so I grew up believing that my that she was my sister and that I was a late baby born to my grandparents. And he she he says, I knew. Don't ask me how I knew. Maybe I heard conversations. Maybe I just figured it that out that like there couldn't be a 20 difference age gap between a brother yeah. and a sister. Um, and he never said anything to them. They never said anything to her. Like it was all very hush hush. Yeah. It's kind of like. Okay, we know this is fake, but like we're not gonna talk about it, kind of thing. Yeah, I that was a little strange, but definitely back in those days, I mean, who knows? Like, yeah, like I said, that was very taboo. Um, when like that just wasn't something that happened. Yeah. Um. It's also hard, too, because I tabbed things, but I tabbed things, like, not directly at what I was wanting to talk about. I was like, well, I'll find it on the page. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, I'm not going to find it through the page. But 
so because Ted's really taking off with this whole political stuff, uh, he wants to go to law school. So he applies to law school at the University of Utah in early of 1973. And he he gets it, but then he chooses not to enter it. For And the reason given to the dean of admissions was a lie. And they've never really found out why he lied. Yeah. Yeah. So he wrote with sincere regret a week before classes had were to begin that he had been injured severely in an automobile accident and was hospitalized. In truth, he had been in an extremely minor accident, spraining his ankle and had not been hospitalized. But he did wreck her Meg's car. I'm like, uh, good, oh. good. This poor single mom now does not have a vehicle. And doesn't have a car. Yeah. So he does begin law school, but in the fall of 73 at the University of Puget, Puget Sound. Puget. Yeah, exactly. That, you know. <laughs> I'm like, Puget, Puget, meh. And uh, so then he is helping um oh helping the Washington State Republican Party and he's an assistant to Ross Davis who um is is on that party he's getting a thousand dollars a month salary um he gets to use a select credit card issue to the Republican Party he gets to go to like all these big wig meetings he gets to use at a, a occasionally use a flashy car there's statewide travel um and davis like him and his wife have dinner with ted once a week and so then we get to see ted and Anne go to a christmas party so the crisis clinic like has a christmas party once a year and that's where Anne gets to meet meg anders because that's his plus one yeah and you can kind of tell that meg is kind of self-conscious um they're talking about Anne was talking about when they attended it last year together and Meg lights up and was like, oh, really? That was you? And it's like, well, because Ted probably told her that he went with a girl but didn't tell her who. And she's like, oh, it was just you? Oh, okay. We're we're fine then. (laughs) Like, you're no no real threat. Which I was like, I feel like, I don't know. After reading it, I understand why Ted wouldn't say it. But I'm like, that's really weird. So... Um, this is kind of where Anne talks about getting into the crimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so December of 73, she had different writing projects. Um, but then Sheriff Don Redman called her and said that they they're wanting to fill her in on this divine case and get her impressions of it. So what we find out is that Anne was a Seattle police officer in the fifties. And she's, so she's got a lot of detective friends, colleagues. um, And she wants to be a writer. I don't know if, I don't know if she really wants to be like a true crime writer or. Yeah. I don't know what genre she was aiming for at that point so um she drives to olympia the next day to meet with sheriff redmond um sheriff 
Dwight Karen and Detective Sergeant Paul Barcliffe, um, looking over follow-up reports, slides, and medical examiner autopsy reports in a case involving the murder of a 15-year-old Catherine Mary Devine. So Kathy Devine had vanished from a street corner in Seattle's North End on November 25th. Um, she had been seen alive hitchhiking, which I was like, oh my god. Say, that, that, that's another thing. That was just common to hitchhike somewhere. She had told her friends that she was running away to Oregon. They had seen her, in fact, get into a pickup truck with a male driver. She had waved goodbye and then disappeared. She never arrived to Oregon. Uh, on December 6th, a couple hired to clean up litter in McKinney Park near Olympia had found her body. Um, this is, I guess, where I would say trigger warning because we're going to it's going to start slowly getting into victims. Um, and what happened? Yes. And I don't know. I'm, I'm sure I tabbed it, but there is a woman towards the beginning that does survive mm-hmm. but the crime that was committed to her was like atrocious yeah um and i i don't know if we've already passed that or oh no we haven't okay no, it's two yeah. tabs next okay so yeah. like i said um, yeah i mean obviously you know this is true crime it's gonna get really crazy really quickly yeah. you obviously know these people do not live i'll make it yeah but it like i said she really gets into the details yeah um so definitely trigger warning if this is not for you if you want to just skip over these Mm -hmm. or just stop listening totally understand um so kathy's body was found on on december 6th she lay on her face um, in the forest, she was fully clothed, but her jeans had been slit in the back seam with a sharp object um, from her waist to her crotch. Decomposition was far advanced due to the unusual warm winter, and the animals had carried away her heart, her lungs, and her liver. Um, they thought she had been strangled, perhaps had her throat cut. Uh, the primary wounds had been to the neck. Condition of her clothing suggested that she had also been sodomized. She had been dead shortly after she was last seen. Um, They still had all of her clothing and her jewelry. Um, But I guess there was a new law that had recently become where kids can stick their thumbs out and get a car in a car with anybody. I'm like, that's quite the law yeah hitchhiking is legal yeah so that was the first one then um there is one i think in 74 about an attack on a young woman who lived in a basement um near washington of university it happened during the night of january 4th um this is going to be with think yes Joni Lenz Joni Lenz was found she was 18 she'd gone to sleep in as usual in her room um her room was located in a basement accessible from the outside by a side door that was usually kept locked 
Um, when she didn't appear for breakfast the next morning, that they assumed she was just sleeping in. But my, by mid-afternoon, they went down to check on her. Um, she was unconscious. She had been beaten with a metal rod wrenched from the bed frame. And when they pulled the, the covers away, she, it had actually been jammed inside of her, um, doing terrible damage to her internal organs. She was still unconscious. Um, she did beat the odds, though. She survived. She has no memory of the events uh, from 10 days before the attack until she woke from the coma. She was left with brain damage that will stay with her for the rest of her life. Um, they found no evidence that she had actually been raped, except for, for the metal rod in her. Mm. Um, and... I, yeah, I think, I mean, we get to it a little ways away, but she walks with a limp. Um, but other than that, I mean, yeah, she did have the brain damage, but yeah, she, she, survived, she survived it, alive. which yeah. is, is wild. Next victim is Linda Ann Healy. So um, she did radio, uh, like uh, weather on the radio. Yeah. Um, she was a senior majoring in psychology at the University of Washington. She, um, I think she was from Lake Washington, which is by Seattle. And there were five roommates in the house. And her father was a prosecuting attorney in the eastern Washington County. And um, obviously, like being a criminal lawyer's daughter, she she knew things yeah could happen but also there's five of them in the house yeah ted was pretty ballsy in some of the things that he did oh yeah like the amount of people in the house sometimes i mean we'll get into it but there's two victims that he would coursed to leave like a very public area mm-hmm. um it's kind of crazy the things that he was able to get like to do mm-hmm. so her job at northwest ski reports she had to get about 5 30 in the morning and then bike over to the office a few blocks away um she had wrote a note to a friend about like saying hello and that she had invited her parents to dinner um at 2 30 that afternoon um, her friend Jill drove Linda to the university for um, course practice and returned at five to pick up Linda and Lorna Moss. They ate dinner and afterwards Linda borrowed um, a friend's car to go to the grocery store, return at 8.30. And then um, trying to think at 5.30 a.m. the next morning, Barbara heard Linda's alarm going off as usual. And then she went back to sleep at six. Her own alarm sounded and she was surprised to still hear Linda's alarm going off. And they walked in and I believe her. Let me see. So her 10 speed bike that she had normally used for transportation was still in the basement. But the side door which led into the basement was unlocked, which it was never unlocked. Um, I guess it was the door was very difficult, almost impossible to unlock from the outside. So they always had to open it from the inside when they wanted to and then push their bikes out, lock it and then go around. Mm. Um, And also the concrete or the like the window 
next to it had been painted shut as well. So her room was immaculate. The bed was made. Um, it looked like she hadn't even been there, but she thought that maybe she was already on her way to work. And that's when mm-hmm. she found the bike. She's like, oh, well, yeah. I don't I don't know like what's going on. Yeah, something's not right. <clears throat> so she called Seattle police and reported her missing. Parents thought it was really weird since she had asked them to dinner that night. Um, they said that the the pillow had a satin pillowcase on it had been removed, which I thought was kind of strange. Mm-hmm. Uh, the caseless pillow was stained with blood, and also her mattress had blood on it. Um, and they noted that her bed was made differently. Mm-hmm. How she normally, which was also a, a telltale sign. Um, her nightgown was found in the closet. She had been stained; it had been stained with blood. So that means that her attacker had undressed her and then mm-hmm. I'm assuming re- redressed yeah. her. Um, her backpack was gone as well, which I think had, I'm assuming, her cycle psychological stuff in it probably like textbooks and stuff mm-hmm. um they found that the only clothes that were missing were the were jeans blouse and boots that she had worn the night before and her backpack was gone she usually kept books in it and maybe her yellow ski cap and gloves um which i thought was yeah very strange like some of the mm-hmm. things that were missing like why those things yeah yeah and so they obviously look in ravines, they get canine units, um, but there's there's no trace of her. There was nothing left anywhere in the house. Um, on February 4th, a male voice called the police emergency number and said, listen and listen carefully. The person who attacked the girl on the 8th of last month and the person who took Linda Healy away are one and the same. He was outside both houses. He was seen. And they were like, well, who's calling? Yeah. No way you're going to get my name. What? Yeah, but... <laughs> what? Yeah. Like, okay. Um, She... So they didn't find her. Um, I'm trying to think. I know we... We later on... She she does get fined. Um, but it takes a long time to yeah. find her. Um, there was no connection at all between Linda Healy and Joni Lenz, um, except they had both been attacked while sleeping in basement rooms. Other than that, they like really could not piece together what was going on. Yeah. Um, then, so as they're trying to figure all of that out, uh, 19-year-old Donna Gail Manson is the next to go vanishing. Um on a Tuesday night, March 12th, 1974, Donna had planned to attend a jazz concert on campus. Um, she set out alone to walk to the concert shortly after 7 p.m. She was not seen at the concert, so she probably did not get that far. She was only five feet tall. She weighed 100 pounds. Um, everyone thought that, like, it was very strange. Like, she wouldn't just disappear. Yeah. Um, she had attended Green River Community College in Auburn before she'd come to Evergreen Campus. Um, she had chosen a rather broad curriculum, which was called 
portals and but she was falling apart or she'd fallen behind in some classes and so she was trying which was people thought was kind of weird she wanted to take more of like like magical powers courses and so of course everyone was like yeah. well, she probably like got into dark magic or got into like something with the devil yeah Yeah. exactly yeah they thought she might have committed suicide um because of her classes were slipping um i guess they had found several slips of paper in donna's room one listed thought power incorporated it's um a licensed business in olympia that holds seminars on positive thinking and mind discipline um she used marijuana daily and so they were like oh well she probably is doing other drugs because you know once you go to marijuana Mm -hmm. then it's heroin you Mm -hmm. know things like that easy easy um they she remained close to her parents um and so they just couldn't think of of why she would just disappear um they hadn't found her either and so they had obtained x-rays because they figured that's probably the only way they're going to be able to figure out who she is Mm. um april 17th 1974 is the next victim it is susan elaine rancourt um she vanished 120 miles away from seattle and she was a freshman at Central Washington State College in Ellensburg. And she was a cheerleader and a homecoming queen. Um, she was blonde. So this is the thing, too. She was blonde. All the other victims had been brunette. And mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure all the victims after her were brunette. Brunette, yeah. And her family moved to Anchorage, Alaska. She stayed behind to go to school. She worked two full-time jobs to save money for tuition. <clears throat> she was straight A's, um, which I thought was wild, working two full-time <laughs> jobs and straight A's. Um, it had been a busy week, the April of 17th. Midterm finals were being held, um, but she learned of an opportunity open for would-be dorm advisors which would help like get her out of her shyness and would also help cut on college expenses. Yeah. She was five foot two, 120 pounds, but she was strong. She jogged every morning and she had taken karate classes. Um, at eight o'clock that evening, she took a load of laundry to the washroom in one of the campus dorms and was then going to walk off to the advisors meeting it was over at nine and she planned to meet a friend to see a german film and then return to the laundromat to put her clothes in the dryer at 10 o'clock no one saw her after she left the meeting her friend waited and waited and finally went home um her clothes remained in the washer until another student who needed to use it impatiently removed them set them on a table where they were discovered a day later and Susan's failure to return to her dorm was reported at once. Um, she had a boyfriend, but he was far away at the University of Washington in Seattle. And um, 
people knew like what she was wearing. So they were trying to retrace the route she would have taken. Mm -hmm. And the quickest and most common route led up to the mall, past a construction area, across a footbridge, over a pond, and then under a railroad trestle. You could not pay me enough money. So far. (laughs) You could not pay in the dark? Yeah. No. And they so they retraced her steps and they said it would have been here under the trestle. It's dark as hell for about 20 feet. Um, no, thank you. Yeah. I know. Um, so I don't think they really found anything. The only thing that was like a physical imperfection of her was she was nearsighted. And on the night of April 17th, she had worn neither her glasses nor her contact lenses. So she wouldn't have been able to really see or recognize someone unless they were like up close. Yeah. So if he knew her name. She probably would have just like went along with Not it. Over, yeah. Um. There was one thing though. People, this is where people started noticing that there was a, a tall, handsome man in his twenties, um, around the campus, that had an arm in a sling. There was going to be multiple occasions where a man fitting that description had an arm. Mm-hmm in a sling trying to help him carry to his car like books yeah yeah his which, wagon bug yeah and there's going to be multiple and actually a son of an oregon district attorney visiting the campus saw him as well mm-hmm. um which i thought was was crazy then we kind of get to know some of the um so captain herb swindler is a veteran in homicide investigations and took over command of the Crimes Against Persons Unit of the Seattle Police Department in the spring of 74. Uh, so he he kind of helps get on the case. Mm-hmm. I we I mean there's so, there's so many detectives. He's a he's a big one. Yeah, especially since I mean he's going to different states, different counties. They're gonna have different officers and detectives involved. Um, yes, yeah. Uh, so her ter- so Anne's territory, um, took her to cases in other cities, cases 200 miles away in Oregon. Um, so the next girl next victim was going to be in here in Oregon um, 19 days after Susan Rancourt vanished on May 6th Roberta Kathleen Parks um, she was kind of unhappy and guilt ridden the day that she disappeared so she lived in Sackett Hall on Oregon State campus we've gone past that a lot of times yep I lived in the dorm room or the dorm building next to it. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was kind of funny reading this part. I'm not going to lie. So mm. Anne Rule actually attended one term at Oregon State in the 50s. Mm-hmm. And she, uh, it was then considered a cow college. But that's, that, that was hilarious right. to read. Yeah. <laughs> it's not wrong. Uh, so Kathy Parks wasn't very happy at Oregon State. She lived or she was from Lafayette, California. She'd broken up with her boyfriend who'd left for Louisiana. Um, on May 4th, she had argued 
on the phone with her father and then on May 6th she learned that he had suffered a massive heart attack timing could not have been worse so of course she thinks it's her fault that her dad almost died um so shortly before 11 she left Sackett Hall to meet some friends for coffee in the student union building we had been there many a times um she never made it to the student union building she left behind her bike, her clothing, her makeup, like everything. Um, this time, no one had seen anyone suspicious. No arm with, um, no man with his arm in a sling. Also, there was reports of the Volkswagen Bug that he was driving. No mm-hmm. one had seen them either. The Willamette River, which is a huge river that winds through Corvallis, it's a disgusting river. Really I'm gross. sorry, but it's disgusting. They <laughs> put sewer sewage in that like it's yeah. just horrendous i uh, you couldn't pay me enough money to swim in that river um they had dragged the river nothing was found so they honestly had no idea where she could have went um a week-long search they had convinced she had been abducted there's huge and i i think they are still there um huge lilac bushes that are along the path between Sackett Hall and the Union mm-hmm. Building, which I'm I'm pretty sure I'm they're sure they're still there. there. Um, they just they couldn't they couldn't find it. At, I mean, sh- there was no trace of yeah, her. Nothing. And Sackett to Union Hall isn't a far walk. No. Two minutes, three minutes, if like, that. You can see it. Yeah, easily see you. Cross the street and then walk down a little bit right there. Yeah. It's wow. not like it's, and it's pretty lit too. I mean, you're walking on Well, that's sidewalk. the thing. Now it is. Yeah. Back then, I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. But I don't know. All those buildings are around it. That's, that's yeah. true. Yeah. So um, I don't know. There's how many, because he had nearly 36 victims around there. Yeah. So I can. <laughs> here i feel like we're at 54 minutes is the only thing and i'd hate to not you know give the victims enough attention okay i'm gonna i'm gonna go off of it i'm gonna go off of it on my phone because i've got all the victims lined up here on my phone i'm just gonna go over here if you want all the little details we'll do that so okay so we just did um roberta parks Mm -hmm. she was a director from oregon state so I'm just going to start from the beginning because it's going to say what like what happened to them and yeah. where they were found and all that stuff. Okay. So Johnny Lenz or Joni, 18, she um, her attack was on January 4th, 1974. She was a student at the University of Washington. She was um, raped with the bedpost, mm-hmm. but she survived. Linda Ann Healy, she died February 1st, 1974. She was 21. Healy was a University of Washington student. She was kidnapped and her body was found in 1975 on Taylor Mountain. Donna Gale Manson, 19. She died March 12th, 1974 after confessing to um, Manson's murder. Bundy said he burned her skull in Liz Kendall, his girlfriend's fireplace. Donna Gale Manson was not in this book. Donna, she was one of the confessions that he confessed to right before later he, on yeah, yeah right before he was executed there was 
I I don't think they even knew she was missing to be honest. I don't know. I don't know her story. I think she was one who like she was missing, but like she was traveling or whatever. So no one was like, oh, she could have just gone off on her own. Um, Susan Rancourt, 18, died April 17th, 1974. She was abducted on the campus at Central Washington State College. Her skull was also later found near Taylor Mountain, where Bundy, he had placed several schools there. That was definitely <laughs> he the had place. spots. Yeah. Roberta Parks, 20. She died April 17th, 1974. She was the one abducted from Oregon State University. Her school was also found at Taylor Mountain, which is like 200 miles away okay. from Oregon wow. State. Um, he said that he had raped and killed her. Brenda Carol Ball, 22. She died June 1st, 1974. She was abducted from a town south of Seattle. Her school was also found at Taylor Mountain with everyone else. George Ann Hawkins, 18. She was missing since June 11th, 1974. She disappeared while walking to her boyfriend's house from an alleyway. Um, her body has never been found um, to this day. He confessed to knocking her unconscious and killing her. Um, I believe he said where he took her, um, like where he buried her, but right. it had been so long. It. Animals, yeah, animals yeah. scattered her. Um, so she she's never been found, unfortunately. Um, Denise Nasland, 18, died July 14th, 1974. She disappeared from Lake Sammamish State Park. Two months later, her body was found on a hillside. Um, near the park. Janice Ott, 23, um, she died the same day. She actually died four hours after Denise had died um, at the same park. Her body was also found in the same location um, at that hillside. Nancy Wilcox, 16, she's been missing since October 2nd, 1974. She went missing in Utah. So he then goes to Utah for law school starts killing there um she went missing after she went to buy a pack of gum um her body's never been found to this day bundy confessed to sexually assaulting and strangling her then burying her body near capitol reef national park which is located about 200 miles south of salt lake city utah um like i said she has never been found to this day Melissa Smith, 17, died October 26, 1974. She was a teenage daughter of a police chief in Salt Lake City, Utah. She was raped and beaten by Bundy, and her body was found in the mountains nearby. Laura Amy, 17, missing since October 31st after disappearing in Halloween or on Halloween night. She was later found frozen in Provo Canyon, which I, I don't know where, where that one is. Um, Carol DeRoach, 18. She's a survivor. She um, says that Ted Bundy identified himself as a police officer, told her that her car was broken into from the mall and asked her to go down to the station. He attempted to handcuff her. She fought him off and escaped. Um, she was one of the very lucky survivors. And she later... Um, was also brought in to testify during his trials. Deborah Kent, 17. She died November 8th, 1974. Bundy confessed to murdering Kent and burying her body in the same area as Nancy Wilcox. I don't think... 
yeah, I don't think she's been found either. Um, it doesn't say that, but Nancy Wilcox was never found, so I yeah. don't believe she has. Yeah. Karen Campbell, 23, died January 12, 1975. Campbell was heading to her hotel room in Aspen where she disappeared. Um, this was for like a doctor convention in Utah. She went up, she was just in like the waiting area of the hotel, went up to her room to go get a magazine for her husband was never found her well her body was found naked and beaten next to a road um and he later confessed during the trials that he had done it julie cunningham 26 she died march 6 march 15th 1975 cunningham was walking to a restaurant to meet up with a friend when she offered to help bundy who was pretending to struggle on crutches um he kidnapped her and put her in his truck where he drove to the desert, strangled her to death, and left her body there. I believe she has been found. Um, it doesn't say, but since they have a death date and they know mm. kind of where she was, I'm assuming yeah. they had found her. Denise Olverson, 24. She's been missing since April 6, 1975. She disappeared while riding her bike to her parents' home. Bundy confessed to killing her and dumping her body in the Colorado River, but she's never been found. Melanie Cooley, 18. Uh, she died April 15, 1975, after disappearing on her way home from high school. Cooley was tied up and bludgeoned to death with a rock. Her body was found in Cole Creek Canyon. Bundy has been suspected of her murder, but was never confirmed. Um, mm-hmm. On his... On his uh, execution day, he says that they got they got the numbers right, but they were missing one more. And there was actually six states that he had killed in, and they only knew mm. of five. Um, so there's probably a lot more victims that have yeah. never been tied to him and never will be. Um, Lynette Culver, 12. She was missing since May 6, 1975. Culver was abducted from her neighborhood in Idaho. Bundy confessed he killed her and threw her body into the Snake River. Her body has not been found to this day. Susan Curtis, 15, missing since June 27, 1975. Curtis was abducted while walking back to her room during a Mormon youth conference at Bridgerton Young University, or Brigham Young. Um, Curtis was Bundy's last confession, confession as he walked down the hall to be executed. She's still regarded as a missing person as her body has not been found. Um, Margaret Bowman, 21, died January 15, 1978. On the night of the 15th, he attacked four women, four women in the Chai Omega sorority house at Florida State University. Um, he had beat her with a piece of firewood and strangled her. So at this point, um, he escaped prison twice. I personally mm-hmm. only remembered once, so that kind of like I that kind of shocked oh, me a little bit twice. so the first time he jumped out of the window of a library second story mm-hmm. um i believe was found six days later i don't think he yeah. had committed any crimes during that time but then mm-hmm. um the second time he cut a hole in the ceiling and went through an air vent and was missing for i believe six weeks he <sighs> then went on to kill two women and badly severely injure two more at this sorority house mm-hmm. um the timing of this was crazy um because there were so many witnesses that they could actually pinpoint that he had killed an inj- he killed 
two injured the other two in the span of 15 minutes, mm-hmm. um, which is insane to me. Um, the These murders were very brutal. Um, and they had happened in Florida, which is a state that does allow the... Um, why can't I think penalty. of it? Like the death penalty. Yeah. Um, and so Margaret Broman, 21, Lisa Levy, 20. She had also died in the Chi Omega house. Kathy Kleiner, 20, was bludgeoned and um, with the same piece of firewood left her with her jaw hanging off. I believe it was broken in three places. Um, she had skull fractures. She survived, though. Karen Chandler, 22 was Kathy Kleiner's roommate. Um, he had beaten both women at the same time. Despite a broken jaw, right arm, and four teeth knocked out, she survived as well, and I believe she also had severe um, fractures in her skull. Um, Cheryl Thomas, 21, was attacked that same night. Uh, he crawled through a window in her Florida State University home and attempted to beat her to death. She survived after a neighbor raised an alarm over a noise. Um, I believe that was the one where they lived kind of like in a duplex and she knew the people on the other side of the wall and they could hear her. Um, Mm -hmm. and so they, they knew they had a thing where no matter what the time, if someone called, they answered and she didn't answer. And so they knew something was wrong and they actually saved her life. Um, Kimberly Leach, 12, she died February 9th, 1978. She was one of the youngest victims as well as the last victim she disappeared in the middle of the school day and her body was found two months later in a shed behind uh, a state park um that that one got me in the sense of she was the youngest she was 12 um he also left her in an old pig shed by the state park um and another thing, too, there were witnesses seeing her get into the van and they honestly thought it was just her dad, yeah. um, which, I mean, I, I can see it. But how yeah. heartbreaking is it that there were so many witnesses Um, after being sentenced to death, he spent 11 years on death row before he was executed by electric chair on January 24th, 1989. Um. And so, yeah, he had confessed to some of those killings as they were walking to death row or to be executed. Um, There's, I mean, as Anne wrote this book, a ton of people, oh, my God, like, I think I was, I could have been abducted by Ted. I think I saw him. I I mean, there's never going to be a set in stone number of how many people he victimized. I mean, yeah, killed try to like just talk to i mean it's unlimited we could we could make a whole 10 hour Mm. thing on him yeah Um, most of his victims were brunette long straight brown hair parted in the middle yeah and he used uh injury so like had his arm in a sling a lot of the times to get them to his car he Mm -hmm took out um, the car seat, the passenger seat in his Volkswagen yeah. bug and like mess yeah. with the locks. He, and what's really extra crazy is a lot of these girls were like just 
going down the hall, just going to run upstairs, just going to go on a short distance, like a trip that's always made so normal. And, and yeah. just in those sh- that short amount of time, he managed to get them. And it, ugh. Ugh. Yeah, so... I mean, obviously, there's a lot more to, like, his trial and and all this Mm -hmm. stuff. But the big takeaway is, like, the victims are way more important than... Yeah, than whatever the hell he did. But Um, it it really saddens me that some... They know where some of them were taken to. And obviously, time was not on anyone's hands. um, Mm -hmm. And they will never find these people probably ever um i also know it's in the book one of the victims after they were found had accidentally been cremated the bones were cremated in um with other people that like hadn't been claimed or were unnamed or or whatever yeah um so this this poor family didn't have answers then had had her and then mm-hmm. still could not have a proper one burial. Mistake. Yeah. Um I I think there was a lawsuit. I really hope they won. Oh. If there oh. was one. Um but he I mean he killed in Oregon, in Washington, Idaho, Utah, Colorado. So those are the Florida. five Oh well then that would have been six. Well then I think I feel like was it, yeah, that would have been six. Forget okay. which one he found out later, but yeah, he was just under the radar enough that you know they were getting sketches of him and kind of knew what he'd look like in the car he was driving, but he still managed to get away for so long. They were always so close. Yeah, and his name, I mean, his name was mentioned four different times by different people and even Meg his girlfriend had told them as well that there was yeah, just some she made a call like hey maybe maybe they just him. Didn't, yeah yeah I mean it's even worse because those last girls from the child mega house basically all the ones in Florida shouldn't have ever happened because <clears throat> he was so good at being a charmer mm-hmm. that he convinced the police like everyone that he could be alone and he could have time to yeah. do this and that and yeah. I mean he should have he never talk been his able- way into special privileges and yeah. he was his own lawyer and so he's like well I'm, I'm running my own case so I can have access to this and this and it oh it, it, it a lot of the things could have been avoided yeah but then really again in the moment how, what can you do yeah yeah i i mean i could go on for hours on, on oh yeah cases. this this case is are awful and there's so many little details of how he managed to do what he did and for so long and victim profiling because they all kind of ended up looking like stephanie um, the girl he had wanted yeah. from the start and psychologically how he managed to yeah I definitely think if you want him. if you 
want to kind of hear Anne's perspective of everything and the details, I highly would recommend this book. Um, there's a lot more trigger warnings in this book. I mean, obviously, I just mm-hmm. said, like, raped and strangled or kidnapped. Like, I mean, there's details in this book um, that are way more gruesome. Um, but it it definitely is a really good read. Um, and it, it really brings into light that you can never be too careful. Um, always watching your surroundings. <sighs> Um, which is awful it really is yeah yeah Yeah, it I mean yeah it's really bad there'll always be people like him um yeah but it's just and also goes to see if if you see something and you know you have a gut feeling and you just feel like something's not right say something yeah because I mean any little detail could be the one that gets you could Gets the guy. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. True crime ones are so hard to get through, especially when it's such a proactive serial killer. Um, Yeah. And especially since not all the victims had been found and never will be. That is the most awful part is that they'll never really rest in these poor families. Yeah. It's really bad. They just have to make do with an open ending but But luckily next week is on a very much lighter note we're getting a little happier um that's not next week what oh you're right oh my lord just because you already read oh you are right things we never got over um going back to a romance book this one's a slightly longer (laughs) small town book so much this is my first lucy score book was it your first one? Yes. Yeah. And now I own. <laughs> I own six of her books now. She <laughs> seven, seven. I own seven of them. Um, After reading that book, that book became my top book of last year. I was going to say that was your number one favorite book. And she's now a must buy I don't care what it's about. Um, <laughs> I'm buying it. So, yeah. yeah. And I also have her no. newsletter. Yeah, she's she's a hoot. <laughs> Love it. The things he never got over. This uh, is I don't want to say single, but a second book in the series has come out recently. A third is coming out later this year. So it's about time I read this. I'm very excited to get your opinion on it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. very excited. So excited. So I guess this will be the last book in June. So I will be posting the July schedule soon. Um, that's wild. Yeah, it really is. July. Um, but yeah, you can check out our Instagram at Baby Gostags Podcasts. Check out our schedules. We always post on there and what books are upcoming or what book we just released an episode on. The bio has a link to all our other things like Goodreads and a TikTok. And now on YouTube, you can listen to our podcast. It doesn't have any visuals. There's no video of us for the best right now. Uh, but it'll just be the audio in case you have like YouTube music or you prefer to listen to your podcast there. Um, mm-hmm. We're on Spotify and 
Apple Podcast. We're basically anywhere you listen to your podcast. But I yeah. guess you already figured that out if you're listening. If you're listening, exactly. You'll you'll get it. <laughs> you'll get it. I believe in you. Anyway, um, I'm trying to think. I think that's I think it. That's it. Okay. Yeah. Well, this was kind of that was um, a sad note, but you know, fun. we gave you a long, longer episode. True crime always does that, and so true crime uh, does that. if you want to read true crime, you recommend in rule. Yeah. Um, or if there's, you know, if there's any true crime stories that you want us to, like, if there's a book out there, yeah, or if you want us to yeah. talk about, um, let us know. We are true crime fanatics, and we will never yeah. say no crime so yeah or if you don't even know if there is a book and there's just a case you want us to do we'll research yeah. it yeah we'll find let us know we'll find it okay <laughs> well, we'll talk oh, to you next week yeah bye bye guys